Good morning. All right, let's open up our Bibles to Mark chapter 1. Starting in verse 8, Mark chapter 1, verse 8, we're going to get through 28 today, and Mark chapter 8, I'm sorry, Mark chapter 1, verse 8, I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist's baptism was a baptism of repentance. And our relationship with God begins with repentance. Jesus' baptism is a baptism to empower the believer to the life that can only be, be lived by the power of God. God wants us to be immersed in Him. He wants to possess us, to overflow in our lives, to absolutely consume us with Himself. So that His love, His power, His majesty can be reflected through us and to the dying people around us. Amen? You know, I found that we can often get stuck. Anybody stuck in here? Oh, man. I get stuck. I feel like, uh, I'm a Christian, but I don't really feel like a Christian. Where's the life? Where's the power? Where's the joy? Gosh, I get like that often. And we pray, you know, God save me, and He does, and He's faithful to save us, amen? To cleanse us. You know, when we turn, we repent. Lord, forgive me of who I've been. What you say about me is true. But, then again, we fail to lay hold of that life that He has for us, that Spirit-filled life, that God-empowered life that He's designed for each one of us. It's kind of like Israel. When they, when they went into the Promised Land, uh, before they went in, God showed Moses, as He showed Abraham before, the whole land. He said, look at this land. It's all yours. I want you to go in and I want you to inhabit it. I want you to take it. It's yours. And obviously they went in through Joshua They had a great victory, then a couple stumbles. But as they went in, they went to go possess the land. But they didn't take the whole land. They stopped short. They kind of liked the little bit of land that they had been given. They kind of became complacent. They kind of just felt like, hey, this is good enough. I like the little river running through my backyard. And, you know, the enemy's kind of far off. And I don't... And they lose the... The conquest. They lose the desire to pursue all that God had for them. And then they begin to compromise when their enemies start pressing in because they didn't do what God asked them to do. And to this day, Israel is dealing with it. Oh, if we just give them a little bit more land or if we just give them a little bit more this or or that, there'll be peace. No. The desire of the flesh is to annihilate you, to kill you, to destroy you. That's what our enemy wants. He wants to take us out of the game. Totally. Our flesh, it wakes up and it forgets it was crucified yesterday. Amen? It just gets up and goes, All right, whatever I want, let's go. 
Oh, that looks good. That looks good. That looks good. I die daily, Paul said. Man. And I press on towards the prize. That pressing on, that conquest in the Christian life. And how many times we just end at repentance. But we don't press in and we don't move forward in all that God has for us. That Spirit-filled life. And I look around my own life and go, why, why am I not bringing people to Jesus? Why, why am I kind of grouchy or, or this and this? Because I fail. I fail to move forward in my Christian walk by my own choice, by my own volition. You know, yes, when we come to Christ, we are given the Holy Spirit as a seal, as proof that we have believed in the gospel. As Ephesians 1, 13 through 14 says, And you were also included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is, notice it says who is, not it is, who, the Holy Spirit is a person, who is the deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. To the praise and glory of God. He's a seal. He's in our life. When we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit comes in and makes us a new creation. He comes, dwells in our lives. We are now possessed by God. We have the Holy Spirit in us. So if you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. God's Spirit is now in you. The question is, are we letting Him overflow? Are we letting him do his work in and through us? You know, we fail to let him overflow and we fail to let him do the work that he is here to do. You know, when I let sin reign in my life, when I let the enemy hang out and we entertain, we warm ourselves by the fire like Peter or, you know, the enemy, we don't go and we don't possess the land. We, 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 do things that we know we shouldn't do or, you know, all that type of stuff. We, we let sin reign in our lives. We entertain it. We don't take care of it. We don't call it dead. We don't crucify it. Go after it. Attack it. We're always on the defense. You know, if there's certain sins in our life, man, as Christians, we should go, whoa, let's go get that, God. Let's get it out of our lives. And do whatever it takes because its objective towards you is to kill you and to render you useless for the kingdom of God. There is no negotiations. We don't do Switzerland here. You know, it's kill or be killed. That's what we do with sin. We get it out of our lives by the power of the Holy Spirit, letting him do that work through us. Can't do it in your own strength. You have to let the Holy Spirit do that in your life. And He will give you victory over the hardest sin in your life. He promises He will do that. He will give you victory, but you have to die to yourself. Amen? We fail to do this when we let the world eclipse the Son of God in our lives. You know that little image? That we, you have the little imagery of, of the Son of God, kind of like the sun. And then you have the world in between you and the sun. And the more the world gets in between you and the Son of God, the less His light shines in and through you. We're kind of like the moon. We reflect His glory. And some of our lives are totally eclipsed by the world. Some of us are, you know, we're a crescent moon. Some of us are three quarters. Some of us, you know, whatever. At various times of the month, you know. I want to be fully looking at my, my, my Savior and letting His life 
shine into me and reflect to you. Boy, how much of the world is in our way. You know, I thought of also this. Some of us have been taught, you know, that it's taboo, that the Holy Spirit's taboo. You know, because there's a whole bunch of connotations with that because of those who have abused certain aspects of the Holy Spirit and the gifts and all that type of stuff. And some of us have, are going to, I just don't want to have anything to do with it. In, in a righteous attempt to try to compensate for that, we kind of have thrown out the baby with the bathwater. That's not good. We want to look at scriptures for what it says. The Holy Spirit is for you and for your children. All to who will ask. God wants you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He does not want you to bark and cluck. He wants you to be filled with the Holy Spirit, with love, joy, peace, patience, power. He wants you to see someone in, in, in pain. And that, and that com, you're just compelled in your spirit because of the Spirit of God is in you. That you go to them and you just go, I can't help but pray for you. That's the ministry of Jesus Christ flowing through you to that person. Is that flowing in your life? Is that flowing in my life? That's the questions we ask. Read the scriptures again. Look at him. We also fail to be filled with the Holy Spirit because we don't realize that we're leaky. Some of us are like, you know, we are. We're, we're broken pots from these earthen vessels and, and we need a refill. You know, as Paul said in Ephesians 5.17, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Understand what the Lord wants you to do. Okay, got to understand. Ready? This is, I repeat this because I need to repeat this to myself. Understand, Matt. Understand. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Okay, got that part. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's Ephesians 5. 17. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. God wants you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that word, as we talked about before, is to continually be filled with the Holy Spirit. Are you continually being filled with the Holy Spirit? And the question is, how do I do that? What does that look like? Right? Which means we need to grow in our understanding of who the person and the work of the Holy Spirit is. And I wish I had time to do that, but we don't. But I have a study in the back right there called The Spirit-Filled Life. I think it's just it's just awesome. And I'm going to put it up on the Internet under resources. Take time this week and go under that. The Spirit-Filled Life. It talks about spiritual breathing, which is kind of not... You might look at it and go, what? Spiritual breathing, you know, where are we, Mecca? You know, it's, it's different. It's, it's just saying you breathe out, you confess to the Lord your sin, but you breathe in the Holy Spirit, you receive what He has for you, forgiveness. This lifestyle of, oh Lord, I see what you're doing in my life, here it is. No condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, just confessing and then making the necessary changes in our lives to glorify God. It's beautiful. There's some other things it talks about as well. I really highly recommend you go deeper this week. Just go through it. It's awesome. It's in the back and it's up top. But what does a person who is filled with the Holy Spirit look like? 
as, as Paul said in Ephesians 5.17, he says, uh, you know, uh, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts and giving thanks to everything to God, the Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. People are filled with the Spirit. They, they you know, one of the things he's talking about is, is they've got songs going on in their hearts towards one another. They've got songs going on in their hearts to the Lord. They're just, they're light, they're free-spirited, they're happy inside. They're loving the Lord. They're, they're sharing it with one another. My grandfather is one of those people. I mean, and he's, he's a Southern Baptist, so he was kind of trained the Holy Spirit doesn't exist kind of deal, but even though, you know what I mean, that the works of the Holy Spirit. He's so full of the Holy Spirit, he doesn't even know it. It's so awesome. He's such a beautiful man. I love him. He just walks around and, and just singing to the Lord all the time and busy about his work, hard working. encourages me in my, in my heart. I just look at that and go, I want to be like that, Lord. Feel me. Help me have that kind of joy in my life. Man, Lord, I, I need that. So read cha- Acts chapter 6 and 7. Look at the Holy Spirit's work in Stephen. Read that. Check out what it's like. Look at Peter before and after Pentecost. Look at and we just read the whole book of Acts and see what God is doing. What the whole, how the Holy Spirit affects people. And notice the work of the the work of the ministry that God has called each of us to cannot be done apart from the power of God working in and through us. And what we fail to do as a church and as a family is to think that if we can just put a bunch of programs in place, that all of a sudden that equals spiritual growth. It does not. It just has to be a work of the Holy Spirit in our lives and our church. And that's what we're praying for. Lord Jesus, will you please just do the work in me? I don't have all the answers. Please help. And then when he begins to do the work, who gets the glory? The program or who? God. And that's where we want it to go. To him. To him be the glory. Amen. Moving on. Verse 9. And at that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John the Jordan. And as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn apart and the Spirit descending upon him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Jesus, sinless Jesus, you know, beginning his identification with sinful man through his baptism. We talked about that. Also, it was at this point that his public ministry would begin. And notice we have the fullness of the Holy Spirit descending upon Jesus. We have the approval of the Father. We have the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the Trinity right there. It's very beautiful. It's also important to note that before we begin the life's work that God's called us to do, each of us is called to be in the ministry, just as Terry pointed out. You don't have to be a pastor or a missionary and all that stuff. Each of you is a minister of Jesus Christ. I think it's important that we have that affirmation from the Father, that we're filled with the Holy Spirit, that we know our Father has called us and we're on the right track. Very important things that takes time. It's seeking the Lord. It's important to be filled. Verse 12, At once the Spirit sent Him out into the desert, and He was in the desert for 40 days, being tempted by Satan. He was with wild animals and angels attended Him. Notice, as soon as you begin the work that God wants you to do, the attack is on. The attack is on. As soon as you start to engage in affecting other people's lives, as soon as you wake up, as soon as you start moving forward, 
The attack is on. It's amazing. You know, before we came up here, when we were we flew up here and we were praying about whether the Lord had us here or not, and it was pretty clear to me that He did. He said, guess what? Here's an opportunity, man. Are you going to follow after me or not? And I said, yes, but before we do, our family needs to know without a doubt, Christine and I need to know, you need to give us something, Lord, because it's coming. And when it comes, we need to stand upon it. And so the Lord, after praying for a week, before we said yes, we prayed for a week and just waited. It seemed like eternity for both of us. Um, both the church and us, but said he gave Christine the verse, said, Trust in the Lord, to Psalm, Psalm 37, 3. Trust in the Lord and do good, dwell in the land, and feed on his faithfulness. The NIV says, Trust in the Lord and do good, dwell in the land, and enjoy safe pasture. And with that, we said, Okay, Lord, we're moving forward. You said, Go do it. Go dwell in the land. Feed on my faithfulness. And would you know it, as soon as we said yes, Christine stopped sleeping at night. And anxiety came up. And all these, and I'm just saying this, this is practical weakness. And those of you who are on the team and the church, you, you saw part of the story. But it began going downhill. And think there was a, a level of warfare that came in to our lives like a flood. It was just unparalleled. It was crazy. And it got to the point where the elders, after a time, they said, you know what? We have to rescind the offer, and rightfully so, to protect the church. And they rescinded the offer, and here we are going, but Lord, you said. And as soon as they rescinded the offer, so to speak, down here, oh, it says, and, and he was with the uh, wild animals and the angels attended. It's as if the angels attended to Christine, and she was lifted as, they, as the elders prayed for her. And that broke in her life. And she began to sleep again. The Lord poured out verse after verse after verse after verse upon her. And and in my mind, I'm thinking, you know what, Lord? I know you've called us. You're going to have to resurrect this situation. That's what you do. You deal with dead things so that God would get the glory. It would be Him who resurrected the situation, not a work of man. And through the elders of this church, through the search committee, through Christine and I, we just watched God do a work. We don't understand it to this day why it worked out what He did, but then, you know what? The offer was given back, be up here in a month, and here we are. But we stand on this verse. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell on the land and feed on His faithfulness. We're here because He said to be here. And has there been some warfare, guys? Amen. I'm not going anywhere. We're not going anywhere. I'm here to love you. And we're going to work this thing out together. And we're going to see God do something in this church. Because He's the one who initiated it, not me. It's so beautiful. And I want to be a part of that. And I want you all to experience that in your lives. He has ground for you to take. Amazing leaps of faith for you to grab. Do you want to go? Say, Lord, here I am. Here I am. Use me. 
with all my problems and issues and my medical conditions, you know, in my mind, I'm going, Lord, I might go up there and die. Though He slay me, I'm going to do it. No matter what, we're going because the Lord called. Here we are. That's the life that the Lord wants us to, to live, that amazing Spirit-filled, Spirit-led life. And yes, do I go up and down? Yes. I have those horrible days. But at once, He was sent Him out into the desert. Notice the Lord allowed a time of testing. Before we enter into the call the Lord has for us, we will be tested. We will be tried. We will go through fire. And notice He went out to the wilderness. Some things about the wilderness. There aren't a bunch of distractions, are there? You're not, oh yeah, give me a second. You know, it's like, (laughs) you know, I mean, it's, it gets real quiet. It brings situations down to the basics pretty quickly, doesn't it? It brings situations down to the basics. You're thinking about surviving. You're not thinking about 401ks and, you know, future plans. You're thinking about how am I going to live the next step? It reveals your appetites and your desires, doesn't it? Oh, I want this. I remember when we were in the Philippines and this kid, you know, it's just a brutal environment for a young American to be in. And uh, this kid we were with, I just want to, I want a crunch bar. I'm just like, he would not shut up about a crunch bar for like two weeks. I'm like, wow. But it reveals your appetites. It reveals what you truly want. It reveals your fears, what you're truly afraid of. You become weaker than normal. Jesus was there for 40 days and 40 nights and he fasted the entire time. Imagine the physical weakness that he had in his body. But imagine the spiritual strength that he was experiencing during that time. And when he was in this state of weakness, guess who came? The enemy came tempting. Any of you in the desert right now? Oh boy. And the enemy knows. He's been studying you. He's been watching you. Not only just human, just human nature over thousands of years, but you. He's got you picked out and he's got a special unit watching you. And guess what? They know about your desires. They know about your appetites. They know what you want. They know how to trigger your, your sinfulness. And when you're in that weakened state, boy, they're just waving incense right in front of your nose. Just go ahead and bite at it. Just turn it into a loaf of bread. I know you're hungry. If you just bow down and worship me, I'll give you relief. How many of you, what would you trade for relief in your life from your circumstances? The cross is not relief. It's excruciating. Press in. The Lord, after a time of testing, He will minister to your heart and bring you relief. He loves you. And guess what? The trials aren't for Him. He already knows what's going on. It's to show us. It's to give us perspective. Learn from it. Jesus was tempted in every way, yet he was found sinless. That's a guy I want to place my trust in. (sighs) You know, 
with some important things there is that Jesus used Scripture to combat these temptations. As I mentioned before, find the area of weakness in our, in our lives and find the Scriptures that line up with it so that you have some ammo when time comes. Amen? After Verse 14, After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. And this is the message of every one of us. Ready for your message this week? To those who are around you? Here it is. To proclaim the good news of God. And it begins with the word repent. Now you have to find out how that translates into their life. You might lose someone by saying, hey, repent. But you might want, you might have to find a way to lovingly say, listen, the Lord would have you change your life in this way. You know, whatever it is, you and the Holy Spirit work that strategy out. But like Will was talking about last week, write down the gospel message, know it, be able to share it. But the word repent. God, what you say about my life is true. I've sinned. Forgive me. That's good news. And God's willing. He sent His Son to die on the cross to pay for our sins. Amen? In verse 16, As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, He saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net next to the lake, and, then they, and they were, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. And at once they left their nets and followed Him. Just like that, Jesus walked into the lives of Simon and Andrew, and He said, Hey, follow me. Lay it all down and follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. At once they followed, Right? That day, they left their nets and they followed Jesus. By reading this, you might think that that was permanent, but if you check out the Gospels and read them in parallel, they left them for the day and they went back. It took a while for God to work in their hearts before they would really, truly give up and follow them wholeheartedly to the ministry God called to them. So, like I said, Mark is giving you a snapshot. The other Gospels kind of give you more color. So as you read it, you're going to find that out. But he planted a seed in their heart, and it took time to germinate in them. The Word of God was planted. Come follow me, and I'm going to make you fishers of men. Jesus is calling out. He called out to those men, and he spoke to their soul. He knew exactly what ministered to them. There's something in the heart of men and women that goes, you know what, there's more to this life than this. And Jesus knows what it is, and he says, you know what, I'm going to make you follow me. I'm going to make you you know, business, a fisher of businessmen or whatever it is that he's made you to be. A mother of children, a true mother of children, all these types of things. He knows what he's made you to be. These guys were fishermen. He, he used that analogy. said, I'm going to take you and I'm going to make you fishers of men. You want to catch fish all day, but I'm going to teach you how to throw the gospel out and catch these people and bring them into my kingdom. And no matter what area of life you're in, Jesus wants you to learn to be fishers of men. And if we're not doing it, we're sinful. Because that's the great command that the Lord gave us. As you go, as you live out your life, go make disciples. Some of us, it's going to be one or two. Some of us will be thousands. You know, I'm not a Billy Graham. Neither, neither are you. But with what the Lord's given you, are you casting your net? It's not up to you to save them. That's the Lord's work. It's our job to spread the seed and give the message. Are we faithful in doing that?
Jesus is calling out, follow me and I'm going to make you what I created you to be. Jesus is asking everyone this morning to set down your nets and follow him. What are the nets in your life? Does this mean you'll have to leave your job? Leave your job? For some of you, yes. For some of you, no. I found quite often God just puts you right back into where you were. Some of you, he's going to ask you to leave that relationship. No, if you're married, that's not it. <laughs> he's going to ask you to leave that ambition, that career path, whatever it is. If you remember, he's going to ask you to leave what's most precious to you and lay it down at his feet. When he'd gone a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brothers, brother John in the boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father, Zebedee, in the boat with the hired men, and they followed him. There's always going to be obstacles to following Jesus. Family is one of them. Are you willing to leave father, mother, land, job to follow Jesus if necessary? Jesus went to the rich young ruler. The rich ruler came up and said, Hey, I want to follow you. I've done all these good things. And what did Jesus say? He nailed him right where it was. Right where his affections lie. He said, You know what? Go ahead and take all those riches you have and sell them. Give them to the poor and then follow me. Ouch. Not so much if you don't have much, right? But if that's what your life is about, wow. For these people right here, uh, you know, hey, leaving their father was a big deal. Family business, that's huge. Taking care of your father in a patriarchal system, you don't do that. You don't leave them. Jesus said, go against the flow. This is what I want you to do. Are we willing to do it? What is the Holy Spirit saying in your life today? Not what Matt's saying. What is the Holy Spirit speaking to you about today? You read and you spend time with your Jesus, with your Father in heaven, and let him speak to your heart on these issues. And so... There's always going to be obstacles to following Jesus. Are we willing to leave? Finishing up here. They went to Capernaum. And when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to preach. And the people were amazed at his teaching. They began uh, because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. There was a difference between he and the teachers of the law. The teachers of the law gave them the rote thing. But Jesus taught with authority because he was the author. He was speaking into their hearts. They're going, wow, this is amazing. When the word of God is spoken by a man or a woman, God filled with, with a man or woman of God filled with the spirit of God, there's a difference. God wants us to know the word of God and to preach the word of God through his power and his anointing and his authority through our lives. There's a difference. And the people are desiring it. They're longing for it. And notice that when the word of God is being spoken, who's present in this story? There's Jesus. There's the people. And verse 23, just then a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out. The enemy's there. What a joy. What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The evil spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. Um, what would you do if you were in that situation? You know, or if I was in the situation, you know, what do you want with this, Matt of Walla Walla? <laughs> you know, I, I know you're a super pastor guy and all this stuff sent by God from San Diego. And <laughs> yes, you're right, Matt replied. What else would you like to say about me to distract from the work of God? 
everything that that demon said was true about Jesus. But Jesus wasn't there on his own mission. He was on a mission from his Father. It wasn't about glorifying himself yet. It would be. But it was about doing the work that God called him to do. It was not yet time to glorify himself. Because unlike all these things, you know, what the demon said about Jesus were so true. He could destroy them, Jesus said. If you come to destroy us, Jesus could destroy them with a word. He was the Holy One of God. And it's not yet my time. Be quiet. And the evil spirit shook violently and came out of the man. And notice verse 27. This is amazing. This is the people were all so amazed. And they asked each other, what is this? A new teaching? And with authority, he even gives orders to evil spirits and they obey him. Now, this is very important. His disciples learned, as we're learning now, that Jesus is Lord over the spirit world, over evil spirits. Jesus is Lord over evil spirits. What he says happens. And we'll talk more about that last week. He has authority to speak to the enemy in your life or in anyone else's life and tell them to get lost. And guess what happens? They get lost. He is Lord. And guess what? You're my friend and you're my brother, even though you are a king. That song we sang. He's your friend. He calls you friend. That's a good friend to have, wouldn't you say? Wouldn't you want to develop a little bit more of a relationship with that guy? Who loves you? Me too. Me too. Imagine if Peter and the guys and John and everybody decided, you know what, I'm going to continue fishing today. Guess what they missed out on? They missed out on knowing God. We don't want to miss out on knowing God. Throw down the nets today. Whatever's in your life, this is the message to the church. Throw down the nets. Follow Jesus. Listen to the Spirit. Amen? Last verse. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. I think that is amazing. And that's God knows how his own PR. We don't have to push it for him. He knows what he's doing. Amen. I just want to say one more thing. It's amazing that God can speak to demons and they flee. But when he talks to us, we resist. <laughs> you ever thought about that? As soon as he comes into, as soon as they come into his presence, what happens? Oh, are you here to destroy us? What's going on, man? We're, you know. And then the Lord, like this commandment right here, as we were going through Byron's Bible study on Thursday night that I visited, said First John chapter three, verse twenty-three, and this is his command: to believe in the name of his Son Jesus Christ and to love one another as he commanded us. That's his commandment. He commands that. Eh. Whoa. Spirit check. Let's pray. Father, I, I, I just want to ask in my life that I would be open to laying down the nets in my life. Sometimes I think because of some of the good things that have happened in my life that I'm, I'm satisfied with where I am. 
I moved my family from San Diego and a step of faith and all that stuff, but that's not it. My whole life is to be that before you, to be open to what the Holy Spirit says. And if you say jump, we jump. If we say stay, we stay. We do whatever you say. And I ask, Lord, that you would teach your, your congregation, your, or my brothers and sisters, you just teach us, Lord. We need you. Will you show us what our nets are, the things that we should lay down before you, and the things that we should pick up? Those things that we hold dear to our hearts, Lord, are they, are they in the way of what you've called us to do? Lord, it's very complicated and it's very difficult. Our emotions and, and our relationships and all these things are here, and we need you to help us sort them out. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Lord, I don't want to miss out on one event that you want to show me in this life. And I don't want your people to miss out on one event. Continue to teach us who you are, Lord Jesus, off the pages of this book and into our lives. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, Lord, today. Continually, we're leaky. In the name of Jesus, amen.